You're listening to The Chartographers. Hello, everybody! You are listening to The Chartographers. It is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people, and this is the season two premiere, goddammit! Holy shit! I can't believe it, quite frankly. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done this incredible and wonderful podcast. Uh, we took a break after the first season because we had dozens of episodes and tons of artists and amazing guests. Uh, and thank you all for listening during that time, too. We're now on, like, the podcast networks like Playlist FM and Stitcher and all these other things. We yeah. just, like... I don't even and know. in the in the meantime, since taking a break, we've passed uh, two thousand and then uh, twenty five hundred plays. Yeah, so that's From just regular humans. And like again, you know and how we're not shitty even we... posting new episodes. Yeah, and you know you know how <laughs> shitty we are promoting this. So this is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so thank you everyone who's listening. And listen, uh, we're back after a couple months, and we are excited because like, listen, we have seasons now. We have premieres. We have endings. We're like, what what do people do in season premieres? You know what they do? They kill off a beloved character. So we're not gonna do that we're gonna wait till the end we're gonna wait till see the end of the season but listen to the clues figure out who the murderer is before you hear heavy breathing in the microphone you know what's going on so i think he's here but more importantly though uh we're gonna rank the entire discography of uh one of the biggest artists of all time the pop the biggest biggest, maybe the biggest well at least the biggest pop star in all of recorded history, guys, today we're talking about the one, the only, that sparkle glove slender man who told you it was cool to walk backwards. That's right, guys. We're talking about Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Jackson, if you're nasty. The defendant of your litigious. All right, so hey, Michael Jackson... Uh, he started out in the Jackson 5. He has uh, the incredible run of number one hits before he even was 10. Basically. I mean, <laughs> basically, like, he is incredible. He was a young prodigy. And then as a teenager, he was kind of lost in a little bit of the Motown machine a little bit. Broke out into his own and then started defining pop music in ways you wouldn't mm. even believe or imagine uh, up until his very, very tragic passing in 2009. Mm. So, uh, hey, anyway, we decided that because of that, he has a lot of albums that were pre basically quote-unquote pre-off-the-wall a lot of people consider off-the-wall the start of his discography he's had some posthumous albums we're gonna rank them that's mm. what we do where it's what we're really good at it and we started drinking so you know it's gonna be a good time so guys uh in order to do this in order to do the impossible insurmountable mm. task of ranking michael jackson albums we gotta have the greatest possible people here the american music award committee here to try and determine <laughs> uh what is the best so of course first off there's me i am evan soddy wow <laughs> what's your name sadia garrett <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I am Evan Saudi. I am an editor over at Pop Matters. Uh, you probably know me as the host of this podcast, and if you know me as the host of this podcast, you know that there is the Quincy Jones behind me, of course. That is, of course, Taryn O'Reilly, the one, the only, the sensation. I think that's the best, that's the best, like, character you've wow. portrayed me as so far. Yeah. I will take Quincy Jones. Listen, at this point in the season, it is all downhill from here. It is just, it is just, yeah. We're on episode, and please welcome my accordion, Taryn O'Reilly. Uh, <laughs> that just went way high to low, real quick. The lowest, it's the possible lowest. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, listen, and listen, Taryn and I, we've done a lot of research into the last couple weeks leading up to this episode. It's really exciting, but we can't do it by ourselves. We never can. We always need someone else to be here. It's not It's not right without It's not else. right without a no. guest, goddammit. So that's why we've invited, I'm really excited about this. Uh, you might know him as a contributor over at Rolling Stone. He is the music editor over at Noise Trade. Guys, Will Hodge is in the studio right now. Will! So if I'm the guest on the Michael Jackson episode, am I Slash? Because he showed up a lot. I'll take Slash. Yeah, you I can left be my Slash. Top hat on the bus. You but. can uh, you could be Notorious B.I.G. because he is. keeps okay. showing up. I'll take it. So exactly. guys, listen, uh, Michael Jackson. Again, there is a lot to get through in terms of talking about his discography. So we're gonna dive right into it. A lot of people know uh, basically his standard discography, and let's just talk about it real quick. The ones that I think everyone is familiar with is his quote unquote debut debut. Off the Wall in 1979, followed by Thriller in 82. We all probably heard of that one. The sequel to Thriller called Bad in 1987. The shittier sequel to Bad called Dangerous in 1991. (laughs) The terribly, weirdly released His Story, Past, Present, and Future Book 1. 
Wow, Saying the full title is just a right. mouthful. 1995, uh, the last album released when he was alive, uh, 2001's Invincible, the cash grab that is 2010's Michael, and the not as bad cash grab, Escape uh, from 2014. Uh, those are a lot of albums. That's eight albums, actually. But before Off the Wall, he had four other albums. He had uh, albums that were part of the Motown machine. He didn't write a single song off of any of them, but you had Got to Be There in 1972. Another album that came out the same year, Ben, the In Theory soundtrack to the movie of the same name. Uh, 1973's Music and Me. And then, of course, uh, 1975's uh, Teenage Worship album, Forever Michael. So there's a couple other things right there, and we're going to get into qualifiers right now before we start gumping into the ranking. And before we get into the big issue of the Motown era albums, I want to talk about another couple of things on here. Uh, going off the wall to escape, I think, is a pretty good route. Uh, a lot of people might be like, well, what about uh, Is This It? Uh, well, guess what? That's a soundtrack for a movie where there's only one new song, so I don't think we're going to be... This is not it. This is not... <laughs> definitely is not it. Right. De- doesn't count. Uh, yeah. Blood on the Dance Floor. His remix album. a remix album. Right. Not going to... There's five songs on there that are actually very fascinating. They're very interesting experiments, and I'd, I'd say. say mm-hmm. two of them are <laughs> worth listening to. Yeah. Um, right. But, yeah, um, it's definitely... Blood on the Dance Floor was actually a pretty big hit, especially mm-hmm. abroad, so... Yeah. It's worth mentioning. Yeah, at the very um, least. It's an also-ran, but not part of the proper oeuvre. Yeah. The oeuvre. Yeah. And I will only use the word oeuvre once, I promise. Well, we're gonna, well except <laughs> well, here's the other already thing, used it twice. Exactly. We, we're we, out. <laughs> so this is like one of the things, Terry and I, we've had this debate, and uh, with our guest, Will Hodge, we've had a debate before he even showed up at the studio, too, about the Motown albums here. Now, mm. there's, a, there's a couple things to say about it, because Will's argument is that it paints a very interesting portrait of this, basically this product of the Motown, you know, teenage pop machine, mm. who worked all this way out to become an independent genius and other things like that. And I do agree with that argument. It does paint <laughs> a very interesting picture. However, I can't tell them apart. That's fair. Yeah, I'll totally, I'll totally give you that. And uh, with some discussions that I have, I like to call the first two albums because they were released in the same year, nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, yeah. Ben, there could have been, been one really good album called "Got to Been There." <laughs> <laughs> Literally taken half of each and made a super, a super solid album. But, uh, but I do think that it's worth, um, it's worth including in the discussion because what we get to see is although everyone talks about Michael's talent, which is mm-hmm. otherworldly and, and unquestionable, um, I think it also shows his work ethic and his ability to sit at the feet of some real masters so that when you do get to later albums like Off the Wall and all that, you kind of you get to see the progression and not just that he dropped from another planet out of nowhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and here's my counter-argument to that, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly more than willing to inter- have a discussion on it. I'm willing to talk about these things. <laughs> I don't really want to put them in there because, A, I don't think Michael would even necessarily count them like as mm. works of his oeuvre, ultimately. Like, Off the Wall is really when he took it. And in previous uh, podcasts where we've had... Uh, like Janet Jackson, she had her quote-unquote two pre-fame albums, mm-hmm. like, you know, when she's just part of the Jackson pop machine and just putting out stuff that sounded like a lot of other trends of the day. The thing is that that was two albums. This mm-hmm. is four albums, and if we did rank them, they would all be at the bottom of the list, I'm telling Absolutely. you that right now, oh, yes. because they are totally. just, it is pure product. Like, it is all immaculately produced. Uh, out of the four, I would say Got to Be There is the best one, because mm-hmm. pint-sized Tiny Michael, <laughs> had, he's in the studio on his own solo work, and he is singing the hell out of things. He's right. giving right. it there. He still sounds really excited to oh, be yeah. that Oh yeah, because when you hear the Michael on Forever Michael at the very end of that, he sounds bored. Oh, he actually yeah. sounds bored while singing. And, and occasionally he sounds more than bored. He sounds pissed. <laughs> yeah. He sounds he sounds annoyed that he, he even has to record these songs mm. in this voice that he's been like the the style of singing he's been doing since mm-hmm. he started since 1969. Right. Like he was I mean, he left Motown a, the year after this was recorded mm-hmm. um, or released either way yeah. um, and I think it it really shows on the record yeah. because it's if we are ranking them it would be my pick for the lowest yeah definitely I think that that, that album is also uh, you, you get to hear his struggle with uh, getting older and like his voice changing like I think if you listen closely oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you can hear a wispy mustache growing as he's recording some of the tracks well, yeah and that's you know? uh, on on music and me 1973 and forever Michael I I can hear him you know they're writing songs in the same keys that they've been mm-hmm. doing the whole time and you can hear him struggling 
sure. to hit those notes. He's right. hitting them. You know, they used a take where he hits it, but it, it sounds like it hurts him almost right, sometimes. Because right. yeah. he's just singing too high for, at this point, he was like, and Forever Michael, I want to say he was 15? Uh, Let's see, what that was 75. Yeah. He was born in 58. So, so oh, yeah. so he was 17 already 17, by that yeah. point? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's like... He, yeah, you can and tell I, he's yeah. over it. Right, and I think that he was still caught because what we have with Off the Wall is, okay, listen, I am, even though I'm still going to do some things with my brothers, like, I am my own entity separate and I think yeah. with those four Motown albums, you have producers who are trying so hard to make sure there's not overlap that he, you can tell he is uh, kind of going back to the being angry thing, shackled by the thing of like, well, we don't want to make it too funky or too soulful. There's a lot of acoustic yeah, we guitar. We have a formula. It's right. There's Trust right, us. and and the thing is, he loves ballads. Right, and he he continues to so. write them throughout his career. Yeah. But uh, the ballads that they give him in these early God. these early stages, um, I mean, like, got to be mm-hmm. there is really the only one that stands out yeah. on its own, like on yeah. its songwriting merit. Also, but, and even though I like Got To Be There as an album because it's also part of the Motown machine and because they had a formula, mm-hmm. so much fucking harpsichord. I can't fucking do it. <laughs> right, oh my right, God. Yeah. Every other song has it and it is just an... Right. And listen, and, and it's one of the things where like my my vote is to not include the first four albums. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly willing to entertain discussion on because there are still some really fun moments on there. Uh, Dapper Dan is off of Forever Michael, right. which I really like. It's actually a really, really funky little song. Just kind of <laughs> right. goofy. Taryn is not, not as big a fan. <laughs> I do. It is funny to hear. Okay, so like, the uh, got to be there starts off with covering Bill Withers' "Ain't No Sunshine" mm-hmm. when she's gone, and when you have a twelve-year-old <laughs> who is able to channel and not sound like a twelve-year-old singing that song, and that's it's and kind of impressive. It is know? impressive. No, that that take is definitely. I mean, that's one of the best things on there. Right, right. And that's even even besides like. Obviously, the Bill Withers version is like a fucking classic. Right, it's right. nigh flawless. Yeah, he he really does pull it off, and he gives some gravitas in this little you know boy <laughs> voice. Right. And but then on the same album, you have to be frank, and and part of it's probably just because I've heard it my whole life. I'm so fucking sick of rock and robbing. <laughs> <laughs> so over it. And then on the next album, he did the similarly sounding uh, Shuby Dooby Doo Da. Oh, that's, yeah. that's a Stevie yeah. Wonder cover. That's, yeah, which is just, that's you gotta have crazy Motown to covers on the Motown album. Exactly. Right. So. Yeah. Always, always. Yeah. Also, I kind of like his rendition of My Girl off of Ben. Actually, there's a lot of yeah. opu- there's a lot of opulence and a lot of orchestration sure. that make it that's doesn't actually, sound like. That's actually like the only thing I like. Of ben, that's yeah. the only. thing I don't I even like, like Ben. No, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So that I was the gonna song ask ben. about yeah. Ben. As far as when you have, uh, also you know, greatest show on earth. Fuck me. Yeah. Jeez, come on. Well, with Ben, <laughs> when you have little kid Michael, you know, starting when he's like what seven or eight, yeah. you always see him in these like Technicolor outfits, dancing, all this kind of stuff. To hear him. Uh, nail that ballad that's very much you know acoustic and quiet and tender about a rat. Mm-hmm. You you hear and they got for an Oscar, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, you hear there's a there's a certain like um, I've been really wanting to not use the word tenderness as we go through this podcast, but there's something in his voice that I think he returns to uh, that is really really impressive about the way he channels emotion that I think is evident on Ben. For both of those albums, I it's think, kind of impressive. I think that I can agree with you and say that he channels emotion incredibly <laughs> well in that song. That does not make it a very good diplomatic song. Uh, okay, yeah. That, it, I, I mean, it just because I and don't don't get me wrong. If I can, I can dig a ballad, <laughs> right. and there make are no some mistake. there are some ballads later in his career where I'm like, this is so sappy, but I love it so much right now. It's the most impressive now. use of pronouns in a bridge as well. Well, okay, right. now we need to talk about we need to talk about one other thing though, and because normally at the start of every happy hour episode, we usually start with uh, what is the worst Michael Jackson song, and I'm gonna oh, tell, I'm gonna spoil gotcha. it for you right now. The worst Michael Jackson song. Aside from Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, is any song where he's talking at the start of it. Ooh. Like, time and time and time and time again. In the, Girl, at the start I just or in the middle of it? I don't give a yeah. fuck. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. whenever he's, he's talking. talking in the right? middle of a song. When he's talking, you're like, oh, oh, right, that's how you sound. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I'll, I'll, <laughs> save, I'll save mine, but the one that, the, the, we'll get into one later yeah. that is 
every time I hear it, I'll start reaching for the plastic bag to put over my head and, and oh, tie it. Oh, wow. It is, wow. It's the worst. So, But I will I, say one more thing about uh, about the, the Motown ones that, that I think is impressive. Okay. And once again, this is more about... Uh, a bigger issue because the song just by itself uh, in a vacuum is, is not super that great. Um, but In Our Small Way shows up on both his first two albums. Right, yeah. And in that, you get to hear some of the stuff that he comes at later, which is like, um, you know, We Are the World or Earth Song. Some of those things that a lot of people will say like, oh, this is tried or trendy. I think we see a genuine like um, humanitarian spirit in him from a young age that I think adds legitimacy to things that happen later in life that sometimes people poo-poo kind of quickly, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I may I may come back to that one when we talk about future albums yeah. as just a little touch point of saying, like, that brings some authenticity to some of the other okay. stuff he did later. So, but for, but that's the, it. for, the, for the sake of argument, I, I, I think, and listen, it's two to three, mm-hmm. two to one, so I think Taryn and I are going to just do our yep. thing of outvoting. And I, I'm going to be outvoted later. I'm not okay, I'm okay with that. I'm not playing those albums, but before we leave that section, it's the Will yeah. Hodge corner of the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Hodge's corner. Exactly. Uh, Will, what would you be your ranking one through four of the Motown albums? Uh, worst, definitely Forever Michael, then Music and Me, and then, like I said, Ben and Got to Be There. Are, are pretty much neck and neck as you have one really good album split over two albums that were released eight months apart. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that would be what I... And if anybody's just going to listen to one, uh, definitely got to be there listening to that. All right. Well, now that that's out of the way then, uh, thank you for that. But now we are down to, at this point, we are now down to eight other albums. Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad, Dangerous, History, Invincible, Michael, and Escape. Mm. Woo! Guys... We're going to get into it. We're going to rank Michael Jackson's album. So listen, we're about to start off. We have a special guest here in the studio, <laughs> Will Hodge. What would you say is the worst Michael Jackson album? Okay. So since we haven't talked about this, I don't know if this is going to be a popular or... I'm really... I have no idea where any of this is going to go. me. But just like I combine Got to Be There and Ben together in my mind, there are two of his albums that I do not like... And it's Escape and Michael. The two posthumous albums, I literally combine and put at the bottom. Okay, now, I I understand that impulse, and I, I'm going to half agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because I think, I think Taryn and I can... I think we can all agree. I think the world can agree. <laughs> that if we're including we the posthumous albums... So. Right, we are the world. And so if we're including the posthumous albums, Michael is number the eight. The worst. And right. there's, there's a reason why. I and mean, here's the thing. I hate Will I Am. I really do. But he said the only time he's ever said anything smart, aside from A of Spades, the only time he's ever said anything smart is when he talked about Michael, when he talked about, I think it was like even like before it's released or like very shortly after he says like, yeah, like, I mean, he worked on it. Michael wanted to work yeah. with him. And he's just like, I don't think they should have released it. Because as right. he notes, Michael was a perfectionist. For those who saw the mm-hmm. This Is It documentary, there's the part where he's really grilling the uh, pianist uh, for his song. It's just like, no, 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 he's just going to have this kind of like get out of bed kind of like you know, thing. Like He's not playing piano, but he has like this exact <laughs> idea of like that vibe that you need mm-hmm. to get that's kind of writing behind it. And Will I Am says that album should have been released, and it absolutely feels like here's a bunch of shit Michael recorded that we decided to finish for him. Absolutely. Yeah, like 100%. It feels like if you guys heard uh, a few years back, this may be the first Nora Jones reference in a Michael Jackson podcast, Uh, but Nora Jones put out that featuring album where she had guested on so many albums. If you were to just listen to that, you'd be like, man, this album is all over the place. I hear her voice in every song, but it's because it's like, She's what she's girl. adding yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. to everything else. And that's how I feel about these is it it should have been like called L.A. Reid's album or, or Rodney Jerkins' album or something featuring Michael Jackson. Like, do not frame this, and I'll try not to be the guy that's like super protective of Michael's legacy, but like those can't be framed as Michael Jackson albums except for the deluxe edition of Escape that has the second disc of these are the demos of what we started from. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I'll take that. Give me... Michael Jackson singing a Paul Anka song, you know. Well, listen, we're gonna get into Escape in a bit <laughs> okay, here. Okay, That's yeah. not saying about that. But here's the thing, like everything, like well, because your emblem example number one, the lead single from that, "Hold My Hand," the song with Akon. <laughs> that is an Akon song that right. Michael sings. That on. sounds like 
like oh, 2007. Mm-hmm. It sounds like 2007 in a little Acom. box. And it happens yeah. to have Michael Jackson's Michael. vocals on it. And if you're going to think... cover Hootie and the Blowfish, pick a better song. That's... <laughs> and that's also the uh, another huge problem with Michael mm. was... Um, people may remember from the time members of his family uh, questioned the validity of his vocals on a couple yes, tracks. Right. And that's... Amazing! I, I don't disagree. <laughs> exactly. You know, exactly. especially when you hear, when you hear, like, some of his demos where he literally hasn't finished the lyrics mm-hmm. yet. We were talking about this before we were on mic where... Like, there's a song from uh, one of his box sets where he's just like, and she, in the back off of the Michael Jackson. And it's like, right, that's how he writes songs. And so I totally believe that, like, the production was mostly done on these and the melody was done on Monster, but they didn't have lyrics. Right. So they faked it. And, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and the thing and is, like, mixed his voice with someone else. Right. Like, and the thing is, we're not here to like necessarily it. spread conspiracy theories, but it right. does speak to something about Michael and about his worst albums, is that I would say there are albums that very much have a Michael Jackson sound to them. Mm-hmm. And then there mm-hmm. are albums that sounds like Michael Jackson's trying to sound like someone else. Right. I think Invincible runs into this problem because mm-hmm. it does not sound like a Michael Jackson album. It right. sounds like some sort of trend-chasing, sort of like exuberant whatever the fuck Honestly, it is. Honestly, to me, right. it sounds like a Janet album. That, oh, uh, well, okay. Unbreakable? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, sorry, Invincible. Invincible yeah. sounds yeah. like a Janet album. It sounds Full like much. what she had yeah. been doing like in the in 90s. Era. Yeah. And then he was like, oh yeah, I want to try that. Yeah, yeah. And, That's but, a and, fantastic point you're making. And I, I, not that we can jump to Invincible yet, but to just tag your mm-hmm. point of what you're saying. Is it one of the things about Michael Jackson is every album feels like he is ahead of the curve on what he's doing? Yeah, and mm-hmm. Invincible really, really does struggle from being like, oh wait, this is what's popular, so I need to try to get there, and that's not the Michael that right. that everybody. If you're is, Michael is Jackson, inspired. you do not have Tyrese co-write a song for your album. Okay, that's just not <laughs> or something that you face. do. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, especially in 2001, you're like, well, because Come like on. he felt very confident on uh, D- Dangerous, and we can argue about the validity of Dangerous, but unlike say like Thriller, where like he wrote like what a third, like half mm-hmm. the songs on there, or like co-writes, and Dangerous, he writes practically everything, like right. practically everything. And here, like, on these other albums, just everyone's jumping in and writing mm-hmm. other songs, basically, or collaborating or whatever. Well, yeah, like, on Invincible, yeah. I don't think there's, like, maybe two songs that don't have a co-writer. Yeah. Right, or right. three, or seven. Yeah, that's the, you know? that's the point about Michael and Escape that's so crazy. When you look at the lyrics and you look at how many producers, how many songwriters, even how many session musicians, because you're talking about the sound, a yeah. lot of these Michael Jackson records, you have a lot of the same players playing on every one. And that's a sure sign that like there was not a guiding light that everybody was working to. It's like a mixtape that just happens to have like yeah. some of the same singers on it kind of thing. Yeah, but it's almost like everyone here is here to talk about Michael Jackson. <laughs> right. So that's, uh, I, I don't... Breaking news. You said that about Escape, song. right? It's shitty as fuck. Say what? That, yeah, that Escape is, and Michael. So that's... Yeah. I don't disagree. It is kind of a bit of a mixtape. Mm-hmm. To me, I almost take Escape more as like a... a it's like a B-Sides remix album. Mm. Because like, the songs on Escape were actually from a lot of other eras. From his whole right. career. Sure. Like, yeah. they spanned from from the Thriller sessions through the Invincible sessions. Mm-hmm. And even, I think there's one or two that were right. after that. Right, right. And so... And there's some of that on Michael, too. But also, that was like, Michael was working on an album. He didn't finish it. Let's try it. Right. That's, right, right. Yeah. Michael, well, I, don't, I think there's one song on Michael that was from earlier, and the rest of them were all like... 07 through 09. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, you can really, you you feel it's very of the era. Yeah. All of the Extreme, production on yeah. it. And you can definitely tell that there were, like, there are decisions on Michael where you're like, he never would have done that. Absolutely not. I will, He never ever would have done there, that. Yeah. The, and listen, I'm happy to bury Michael at number eight. I don't have a problem with that. But I will say, it's not even a great song, but I like the way uh, you love me. Oh, best song on there. Absolutely. For sure. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. I like the way you love me. Like, it just has Whoa, this wonderful like, intro. Walk in? Oh or, my god. Yeah. Like, the ghost of Michael Jackson. <laughs> Wait, he came back. Oh my god, guys. Alright, cool. So, uh, that's the literally the only song you can take out of that piece of shit. Alright, so anyway, Michael, uh, number yeah. eight on our list. So, that being said, Taryn, what would you nominate for not as bad, like slightly better than Michael? Um... I have I have a feeling I have a real strong feeling. Terrence might be extremely controversial. I am warning you right Ooh. now. It's not no oh, okay. no. I'm not gonna do something controversial. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
because I'm gonna. I mean, it's <sighs> torn. I think it's gotta be invincible for me. I it's, got it. it's gotta be invincible because for me, invincible. Like I, like we were just saying, right. it really sounds. Again, it sounds very of the era. It doesn't sure. sound like Michael Jackson doing his right. innovative thing. It, he sounds like he's taking the sound of 90s pop mm-hmm. and 90s modern R&B and he's just rolling with well, that. And, and, well, here's the and, other... and I think that he does that incredibly well on a few of the tracks. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually really like You Rock My World. Right, I think right. it has a really fun groove. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have the same like gut punching drive that his other like massive singles had right. but it's still it's like yeah this is a really solid Michael Jackson track that's I think that's where right, he sounds right. most like himself and then I actually also really like Butterflies I think okay, I would okay. like it more if Janet was performing it oh my god you're <laughs> it's, right yes it's right. totally actually it's, it, like Butterflies is in Janet's wheelhouse yeah that's right. that slow horn descent that slow the horn ocean. descent and all of those like silky multi-tracked yeah. vocals yeah yeah um and that god that's like where the positives stop I mean like whatever happens the Carlos Santana thing that's is that's what I was about to say fine. you, you timestamp yourself to 2000 2001 if you're like hey Supernatural. <laughs> that was a, that was an album, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. If Rob Thomas is not available. Yeah, exactly. Go get but then, but like literally, and I talking about worst songs ever. Heartbreaker, I still fucking hate, like mm-hmm. with a passion. But two thousand watts is in a special, a special category watts. of bad. Speaking of songs that don't sound like Michael, <laughs> because right, he's legit right. trying to sing in a different like For tenor sure. than he's well, ever. Right, yeah. he's, it's it's uh. The melody is in a berry a baritone range, which yeah, he yeah. never writes in. He's mm-hmm. always high tenor, um, and I even feel like he's putting on like subjected. Like n- no, he doesn't. E- he's not even doing the Michael thing on yeah, it. He's right, doing right. like like a like a from the hood like black nineties. Sure. Like vocally. He's chasing. Yeah. He's, he's chasing. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. He's, he's, he's emulating exactly. a yeah. different scene that he has not been a part of. Exactly. And so it feels yeah. like especially disingenuine. He's trying on something that's already been done as opposed to like, this is something that people haven't seen, people haven't heard. And that just, it doesn't really, it, it just doesn't translate well. Like Invincible, like when you, when you get done with the Motown stuff and the posthumous stuff, like Invincible definitely kind of hits that like oh yeah you are definitely not at the place that you have been even though you brought slash back right. for the fourth time <laughs> and, but yeah, also yeah, it's yeah. also and also notorious big again <laughs> right? uh, but also invincible dangerous and history are also run into a difficult era a different issue and it's very odd for invincible but especially with dangerous and history i can understand mm-hmm. a little bit they came out in the cd era they came out right. in the 90s and when uh, there's a lot of problems a lot of artists ran into like instead of trying to fit 60 minutes roughly onto two sides of a vinyl mm-hmm. it's more of like guys we have like 72 minutes Absolutely. we can do things in so why not fill it up? People want songs. <laughs> exactly, We're just gonna fill yeah. it up. It's just and wasted so, space if you don't. It literally is. On. So that's why, like, th- I literally don't even remember what the Lost Children are threatened sound like, and I've listened to this album multiple times. You should week. um don't remind yourself about black flash Especially the Lost Children. Yeah. Ooh, leave them. Leave them. <laughs> that's not even <laughs> hot garbage. Yeah. That is like the flame. That is like middle of January frozen garbage. Like yeah. that is just god awful it's so fucking saccharine and yeah. that's i i got a like mildly annoyed when we were doing janet with her mm-hmm. like social message social oh. message stuff mm-hmm. i am so over <laughs> anytime a michael like heal the world Make or um, in our small world guys i'm telling you this will be the first time i go back to it every time <laughs> it's I, at least gin i feel like some of that or at least i'll say the majority not all of it but i think the majority of it comes from uh a genuine place that can very quickly become overblown when you have the biggest star like he doesn't know how, it, there, there's definitely a point where he crossed the point of being able to do anything subtle Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. That, I like that point. Uh, also, um, I, I also kind of like Break a Dawn a little bit. Not too much. Like it's just yeah. nice. It's it's, it's passable. It, uh, yeah. The production saves it. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It's like Jedi Mind Trick. <laughs> <with> the, <band. laughs> the production. No, saves I, was, it. I was just I was waving at the song as a whole. Right. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> wax off. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, guys, our Facebook live feed does exist. When he, uh, th- like, and then it, it reaches his peak, even though this song was written, <laughs> I think, for Thriller, or it may be bad. Uh, Do you know where your children are off of Escape? Mm. Um, weird. It's, it's yeah. really, it's really weird. And it, it, it comes from a place where you're like, you have no idea what this feels like. Right, right. You know? Um, and that's what, what's, that's what all, do you know that's what, what the children lost children are? feels like too. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're, you're singing a song, wishing lost children well and wishing right. them home. Yeah. There, it's like, part... instead of, and, it, and it's, and it's in a very like optimistic chord structure and you're mm-hmm. almost like, Anyone who has lost a child that listens to this is just gonna be like, it's like, it's almost like really insensitive. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, he's like, oh, the kids are gone. And and like, the parents are like, yeah, it's fucking awful. Why are you like, thank you for your three and a half minute pop song about it. Right. This is my life. It's kind of like like when Phil Collins was writing songs, you know, Another Day in Paradise, a song about Mm -hmm. being homeless. I'm like, Thank you, rich British multimillionaire, for exactly. writing a song about the plight of the homeless. Exactly, that's, because that's there's helped. there's also a point where even if you're wanting to <laughs> write child, some basically. sort of uh, like altruistic or humanitarian type song, there's a very fine line between uh, here is a genuine thing that's coming out of me that I'm wanting to share, and then here is a distortion of that that's a very like judgmental. Like, how dare you or how could you? Or are you thinking about this? And you're like, whoa, that's when it turns into like the weird you know, like Jesus complex and, and kind of like, I'm going to talk about the bigger things in a pop song. Well, he area. literally has a Jesus <laughs> complex. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. The um, guy that... So, you know, I, 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 I thought we were going to say this with a uh, happy hour mini so, but man, <laughs> one of the things, so I when, when it came into research week, there's, I mean, clearly, it's Michael Jackson. There's a lot to cult There's from. so much. Karen and I, and we're going to talk about Captain Neo and the happy hour mini so. I'm yes. telling you that right now. Okay, then I'll hold <laughs> but, yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah, calm down there, Hooter. All right. But uh, the other thing is that uh, we, I showed him because I remember this. I remember hearing about this, and I never saw it. But uh, there's a clip from the 1996 Brit Awards uh, where he shows up and he does this 10 minute fucking rendition of Earth Song, which, mm. fun fact, his highest charting single in the UK. Right. Which right. is insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. Besides, I think I think. Or best uh, selling. I mean, beat you know, it. Yeah. No, yeah, it was his best selling. He had a lot of other number ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it sold like you know like three million copies within the first right. two weeks or something yeah. like that. But like, so he goes up on stage and he's doing this Michael thing. There's a lot of like Dickensian like you know people in costumes strewn about looking poor and whatever. Uh, Jarvis Cocker of the band Pulp. He's a little <laughs> drunk and so he just gets it like, what the fuck is this? So he goes up on stage. He's like putting his fingers behind his butt and waving at the audience yeah. and he's like lifting up his shirt and he's like jumping in front of the moon set and like he gets pulled off and it's because he's like they're doing some Jesus shit I didn't like it and then he of course security brought him off the stage because you do not fuck with Michael Jackson right. like, they like held him backstage and right. then after after that, after he had already been like hey, he's doing this Jesus shit Michael literally like takes off his black outfit and is wearing all white underneath <laughs> and stands with his out arms outstretched yes. center stage as the Dickensian dressed uh, extras like feel for his stigmata. Yes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's not, it is the least subtle thing. Yeah. And it, like, it made me want to punch him. He's, <laughs> he's hugging people. He's kissing the rabbi on the forehead. Like, yeah! yeah! They're yeah. the rabbis! Yeah. yeah. That's the point, that's the point where you cross over from being like, you know, I, I get, like, especially in the 90s, you want to do an environmental song, like, more power to you. That, that Great. They were, they Fantastic. Were doing that. And I do believe that it started, again, we'll, we'll go back to, it started from a genuine place that once it goes through that Michael Jackson filter, it can skew multiple different ways. And what this I one think... skewed very, like, <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm going to have all white underneath my clothes and I'm going to change. And the fact that... I think that he yeah. also, like, after We Are the World mm-hmm. was as insanely successful as it was... He kind of took that as permission mm. to take this thing as far as he wanted. Right, right. Because it yeah. definitely, like, when it starts, when it starts, <laughs> when his humanity spokesman side, uh, like, begins, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then right. it just gets worse and worse well, as so, the career goes yeah. on. So in this week that you guys have been researching, did, did you come across or remember... 
uh, his '93 Super Bowl appearance. Oh yeah, oh, yeah we watched yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so that lot, one, by the way, if you can watch it online too, a lot of it is him standing. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> What's up with? I think at one point well, you even see his band behind him. Like, is he gonna start? Like, what yeah. is going on here? Well, so that's something that he. Speaking of things that got worse and worse as his career went on. We are going to get back to the ranking, guys, I assure you. Um, they love it. Right. Um, speaking of things that got worse and worse as his career went along, the breaks. Mm. Because it started with She's Out of My Life. Oh my god. It started it starting doing it live. Doing in it live. 1979, doing tears. it live. Yeah. He would like... At, at the very, very end of the song, he sang, sung the whole thing. He'd go, she's, she's out of my... And then just like <laughs> hold back tears and pace the stage for like two minutes. Mm. And then go... And the crowd would go, yeah! And they're screaming. Yeah. They are screaming. And then he just goes... <laughs> and that's the end. Oh and so gosh. and so then we we started watching um the Wembley the Wem- yeah the tour. Wembley yeah, bad gotcha. tour okay. performance yeah. that did that come with the bad 25 yeah, yeah. Okay. um we started watching that at like 10:30 so i started like falling asleep halfway through not cuz it wasn't entertaining just cuz mm-hmm. it was late um but he in the middle of at any song he yeah. would just stop. He'd like hit a pose. <laughs> the band would do a hit, and he would just hold that pose for, you know, fifteen to thirty seconds, right. and let the audience scream, mm-hmm. and then he would keep performing that song. Right. And right. so that's like, so that was in bad era, and it was already like it was constant. It was it was in if not every song, at least every other song. Mm-hmm. He there was a, a significant break in the middle. Um, and so, of course, by the time it's 93, and <laughs> right, he's right. at the fucking Super Bowl, he yeah. pops up on stage and he's just like, I'm going to milk this. I'm not even going to yeah, move. It's well, the only time feels... that a halftime performer has actually done better in the ratings than the actual Super Bowl game yeah. around it. So I will tell you, though, it is still impressive. I'm not sure that in today's day and age, when they handed out the smaller versions of the kids drawing in the whole stadium. Yeah. Of course, you can pick out like the cynical people who are like, I'm not raising my you know, yeah. placard or whatever. But for the most part, I mean, you're talking easy. 95, 96% of that stadium held up their sign at the right time, doing yeah. the wave, and you're like, okay, the whole stadium is somewhat believing in this, like, okay, heal the world, make it a better place. There, there's a part of it that you do feel a genuine sense of like part of a bigger part of humanity but to your point it starts off with completely self-indulgent how long can i stand here on national tv before i even start the first song yeah, and it's nowhere near and that's 100 percent just him. it's nowhere near it goes when cole played at the super bowl and they ended it by everyone holding up a placard saying uh believe in love you know and, and the thing is i didn't believe in love before then but then coldplay did that performance and i started to believe in love it's, it was so good and thank god yeah. believing in love totally saved us yeah. i know thanks from, coldplay yeah thanks thanks for saving the world coldplay long story short number seven invincible can we can we lock that in and the reason why i want to lock it in too is because uh mr hodge over here with his with his cap uh he also came in he also got to talk about how michael and escape are uh kind of inseparable in his mind and i push back on that notion actually totally okay. disagree, because actually, actually <laughs> escape like i mean the thing is when you're pulling from songs from a lot of different eras instead of just like here's a lot of posthumous shit that we had on our hands mm-hmm. you can actually pull some good-ass songs yeah. that never saw the light of day, and not I, even on that essential Michael Jackson box set. I began mm. to touch on that earlier when we mentioned Escape, and th- to me, Michael is the, like, he, we had these songs that he was recording mm. during the last couple of years, let's slap them together and put his name on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Escape feels like people who truly loved and respected Michael took their time yeah. going through his back catalog, and they picked... I also, I appreciate that it's so short. They picked eight, eight songs, songs. Right, yeah. that they thought deserved to see the light mm-hmm. of day. And they and were from different eras, too, so it wasn't even, like, super heavy on one right. or the other. Exactly. But also, I don't care how you quantify it. Love Never Felt So Good. His second Paul Inca right, co-write right, right. after uh, fucking This Is It. Uh, Love Never Felt So Good. Could I'm still amazed, even though that album came out in 2014, that hasn't gone down as an iconic Michael song right, because right. it is so fucking good. And I mm-hmm. think, so I Fuck definitely... Fuck that Timberlake version too, by the way. <laughs> Fuck the Timberlake yeah. version. I honestly think that was a big 
mistake at part of why it Absolutely. didn't get as much attention mm-hmm. as it yeah, did even though i mean it charted it went right. it, it, it was well. his top 10 it was a top 10 which meant michael had a top 10 single in every decade for five decades yeah, yeah. jesus so, well and yeah. on the deluxe version there are three versions of that song because right. you have the demo which yeah. is just which is a piano the best version absolutely by so <laughs> absolutely so much and he that was he was recording that as a demo for Johnny Mathis to sing. Imagine your your demo that you get handed is here's Michael version here's Michael Jackson's scratch track version for you to see if you want to do this song. Of uh, Michael Jackson doing a Paul Anka written song to see if Johnny Mathis wants to sing it. That's, like, the the understanding I had of it was not that it was just it wasn't just Paul Anka. Like Paul Anka wrote the like the oh, song okay. and the piano yeah, part. Gotcha. And okay. then Michael like added the lyrics and uh, and reworked gotcha. the melody. Oh, okay. okay. So the, it, it's a co-write that between makes, the okay. two of them. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Um, if I, for the, if you're listening right now. Look up the demo of Love Never Felt So Good. Mm-hmm. It is one of the greatest it's, songs we're going to talk about today. And we're talking about Michael Jackson. I'm aware of what right, I'm saying. Right. It is one of the best songs we're talking about yeah, today. I've it's listened that to that demo like a lot right. a lot a lot not but just that, before this research week like mm-hmm. i think i you know i was reading some like best of 2014 list and they were right. like the demo of love never felt so <laughs> exactly. good but on one top of the best of it, songs though, of the year it, it, right. like pushing back a little bit against will's point here i would also argue that some of the modern production versions of escape are actually pretty good and not, improvements yeah on, like on the especially demos. the biggest one for me is loving you loving you speaking mm. of songs that's that feel like janet <laughs> right, right they right. definitely they and that's it was a it was a little bit there on the demo version um but they really smoothed out those mm. harmony vocals mm-hmm. on the the modern production and they added that uh that rapid fire um like subdivision drum beat right, during right, the chorus yeah. Right, right. Um, and all those those horn hits, I love because because uh, especially if you're listening to like uh, Dangerous and History, he loved that orchestra hit button. Mm-hmm. Uh, he absolutely loved yeah, that, and so it. fucking uh, and it's it's terrible. It it like it sounds so cheesy most of the time that he sure. uses it. Sure, but here they they took that uh, concept, but they recorded it with real horns. Right, right. And so I I think yeah, loving you is definitely like a standout on Escape. Um, I also really like the modern production on Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought that was going to be like the first single, like because Timbaland no. did that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, and I think he he thought it was going to be the first single. As too. far as uh, demo versions, I if they had just put out the demo version of Chicago, mm-hmm. I would have been totally fine with that. But I For think sure. the modern production, um, it they just. They, they don't do too much more with it. Mm-hmm. They just sort of like sleek it out, which is what producers are there to do. Right. You know, so it really f- still feels like... Um, that's why I, I definitely... Because they had that deluxe edition with the demos mm-hmm. on it, I have a lot more respect for Escape. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I completely agree with that. And I think that, I think that my part comes in uh where i feel like that you're fucking I would with michael's legacy even, well yeah because there there's a thing that there's a reason that these songs have been sitting around and that he never released them because mm-hmm. they weren't in a format that he was cool with so to to put okay. that out as saying here's a michael jackson record again even if it's just the framing but so, here's okay. a michael jackson record I, it's pretty tough i get that and yet at the same time we are the chartographers and one of the things about <laughs> us we are listening to these albums now in 2017 and mm-hmm. we're kind of listening to them as is like we're just kind of accepting it as you know like i'm not it's hard sometimes with the art of the law there is to cover because they have such detailed legacies and narratives and stories but also mainly the, the big thing about it is that we're just kind of like determining and honestly escape i, I didn't really give a lot of consideration mm-hmm. to it's just kind of a eh, kind of thing but I wasn't I like I even put off listening to it but I'm I, I wasn't honestly excited. surprised yeah. me now I'm not saying it's like gonna like topple you know thriller off the wall it's not gonna like join that echelon anytime soon but it's pretty good up to the point where controversially Evan Soddy <laughs> at number six is going to nominate going to nominate history okay okay so so tell me again what's below it we've got invincible Okay, uh, we got Escape Invincible, Michael, we got right? Michael. Exactly. Go, I'm sorry, it goes the other way. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Michael we number eight. Yeah, we Invincible. haven't locked in Escape yet. Yeah, nothing's, nothing, Escape hasn't been locked in yet. Okay. I'm throwing in the idea, because Escape has eight songs, because even like a song at like Blue Gangsta, which I wouldn't even necessarily <laughs> call a great song, but it's at least fascinating. Right. But it, which it's not do. a great song, Again, but it kept, getting, it kept getting stuck in my head. Yeah. yeah. Now that I'm the Blue Gangsta, what's the 
<laughs> and Will's like, oh, that's yeah. rough. Oh, my God. See, but here, that being mm. said, that mm-hmm. being said, <laughs> his story. Yeah. Now, first off, for those who aren't familiar, when Michael put this album out in 1995, also, where's book two, one? Right. The other question, though, is that he, because he had so much power and so much clout, he could do whatever the fuck he wanted. So what he did with his story, it's a two-disc set, actually. And if you, the first disc is a greatest hits, a 15-track greatest hits compilation. And if you're a fan of Michael Jackson or even a casual fan, you probably have a lot of greatest hits. But then the second disc is the new album. So it was actually a really shitty and cheap way to include uh, bonus sales, because you got to keep in mind, the uh, record industry, whenever you sell an album, if it's a multi-disc album, it counts each disc mm. sold as an album. Mm-hmm. So as that's why like uh the one of the platinum albums last year was uh of twenty sixteen was this Mozart box set, this two hundred disc <laughs> right, plus right, yeah. my box set that was sold to like some five thousand whatever people. Mm-hmm. And since each one was a counted unit, like it, you know, it added up to like over a million units was sold. So like right. Mozart had a platinum album in twenty you know, sixteen, which is amazing. Exactly. Uh but yeah, the thing is that there are here's the I mean it's a problem where I feel like Less so with Dangerous, more so with this, because, like, between Dangerous and Invincible, history absolutely belongs. It is that Mm -hmm. fine line of, like, there are some shitty, Mm -hmm. shitty songs on here. Yeah, it's They're really bad. But the problem is, is that they're also anchored and buoyed by, I would argue, some, uh, not even some, like, the couple... Of the best songs that he's ever done Absolutely. in his entire career. And Absolutely. so there's that dichotomy there. Like, Escape doesn't run into that problem. I'm not saying Escape's going to go much higher than this, but I do. Th- I, when I think about just terms of overall pleasure listening, I put Escape probably a little bit higher than uh, History, because it's not as bloated, oh, wow. and this is bloated yeah. as fuck. So, I yeah. actually, I, I, I handcuffed those two beside each other, but I, I flipped that. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely, I agree with all those points, except for um, I think that as a Michael album, and I almost give him a little more credit because post child molestation charges that greatest hits album was more than just a, oh this will help sales it's more of like hey guys remember me like you don't you know what i'm saying you like, like michael right exactly like you like there there's a part of uh image course correcting and shaping that's going on mm-hmm. uh, but it's also attached to a very very i think he knew you listen to history that is an angry, angry Michael Jackson. You know right. what I'm well, saying? Yeah. So there's, well, there's a part of, it opens with Scream, know, the Janet Jackson duet. It's right. explicitly talking about the child molestation and the charges. Right. And there's thank been, you, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Thank you, Jimmy Jam oh and Terry God. Lewis. Uh, How do you guys feel about that song? Is Scream not like so one of the best? I, yeah. I wish I, 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 I because there's kind of the underlying, like a lot of people talk about how that song sucks a lot. Of, there's kind of a lot of people that say that. I would, like to I, I would say that anyone. I enjoy the song. I don't <laughs> love it. I do enjoy I, it, though. I love it. Okay, Taren, good. Me, I Taren. totally love it. Yes. I well, and it does. It does help. I think I I was in like a jazz dance to that song when I was <laughs> okay, like okay. eight or something. <laughs> gotcha. So I I have like a lot of memories with it. But I, even even outside of that, um, I think Scream is like a really solid, mm-hmm. especially because he goes so angry and and I love how he uses the like glass shattering yeah. as like part of the drum beat and yeah, yeah and yeah. like the scream is so mm-hmm. utterly michael but it's it's a new that twist on his a new a visceral one of the most like and i love uh, that manly, that's yeah. that's the first sound you hear him make on this record right. and the last him just fucking screaming right and so the last the the song that ends uh the first disc of the greatest hits is earth song right is it? No, that's is it? that's on this. Oh, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, not yeah. our song. Heal the world. Oh, right. Is that whatever it is? If you listen, if you if you're not having to actually change the discs, if you listen to both of those back to back, like on your iPod, it's the t- it's the most hilarious juxtaposition of two songs <laughs> right after each other, where you have a very tender Michael to that scream nice. being like, oh my god, like this is this guy t- talking back about like how he can capture yeah. emotion and channel it. He there is so much in just that and like you're saying a new sound that you're just like oh wow we are about to get a new side which is something you look for yeah. with every single yeah. Michael yeah. it's something new but 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 <laughs> the thing is whatever you say about Scream it, the second track on this album is They Don't Care About Us mm. and I've always liked that song and mm-hmm. something about Research Week just made me dive into it and like fuck mm-hmm. like this is like 
nothing that he's ever done before or after. Right. It's just, it's an incredible pop moment. I'm so glad mm-hmm. he put it out as a single because it was just like stabbing and punching. And there's that part in the production when it gets really loud for some reason. <laughs> well, and speaking right. of yeah. like... Anger. Anger. <laughs> he's like, he's clearly furious at this point. And it's also... Um, I'm 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 not gonna say that he did this on purpose because um, I think that's a little too cynical. But speaking of course correcting, it's it's reasserting that like I don't care what I look like, mm-hmm. I'm a black man, right, 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 you know, and like he's going to like mm-hmm. I'm still a black man and I am the one of the most famous people in the world. I'm going to make sure I use my absolutely station, except, except that he like I I know that that's not the whole reason he did it because it wouldn't be as good of a song as it is if it was like right, he right. definitely is pulling from such a real visceral place like right. even in his station he still feels this by like by this point in his career when he's releasing they don't care about us he's kind of untouchable mm. right but when, but you, actually, but when yeah. you think about like going back to off the wall he released like one of the most commercially successful albums of that year, if not mm-hmm. the most. I don't remember exactly, but but he like um and he was not nominated even for album of the mm-hmm. year. Yeah. He mm-hmm. was nominated for R and B album of the year and was right. presented with that award um, before the broadcast started. Right. Yeah. And before so the broadcast. and and it was absolutely a race thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why what drove him to make thriller as as huge and as like yeah he like, was not he, he was going to yeah. right it sold 20 million copies and he wasn't satisfied <laughs> right. like so when he was going into thriller he was like like i am obsessed with perfection i am going to make the best pop album that has ever been seen mm-hmm. right. and i am going to make them give me album of the year right. on television yeah right it's a very kanye-esque yeah. sounding there of talking about people who are disciples of you know the michael jackson template <laughs> yeah legit but, right. oh, yeah. But, but going back to a little bit point though because that that being said that's i mean i would agree that it's all fascinating that's all very much rooted in a lot in there but history unlike escape which Escape has questionable songs like "Slave to the Rhythm" is fine. It doesn't have any like outright bad songs. Um, I would say that. Do you know where your children? <laughs> okay, are? never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> apologies. Right. 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 I literally yeah. keep forgetting about it because I hate it so much. But DS. Yeah. Ugh. If there's L- ever little Susie. Yeah. Little Susie. Oh, oh I can't my... believe you're not covering your bad. eyes. Too bad. Too bad. Too bad. Okay, I actually don't hate too bad. <laughs> right. It, or Shaq is, being on Is it. it great? No. Oof, but I, yeah. I can I can I can dig some too bad. Tabloid junk. No, uh history is uh saccharine and Wins terrible and Shabba. just absolutely cheesy. Um yeah. no, little Susie is is speaking <laughs> speaking of in the vein of like all the lost children and like you don't even I, I don't what? That song is about, it's literally about, like, a little girl who, like, I think it's, she fell and hit her head and died. Yeah. And she was homeless. And isn't that so sad? Yeah. And it's just like... Which most time when people die, that's sad enough. They don't well, have to right. Yeah, dying, <laughs> dying sucks, but guys. But it also has like a minute and a half of just like ambient synth noise mm-hmm. to start it off. And then it's that's like... That's the sonic version of him just standing just, there visually. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and after that, after all of that anticipation, he gives you like the worst ballad he's ever recorded, right. including mm-hmm. the Motown years. Like... <laughs> but, the, but I mean, and also come together, let's be real. Oh my gosh. Okay. Speaking of things that didn't need to happen, why did that not get stuck on a B side of just like, sure, we'll record that for you? And well, I also, also, can we talk well, about? Oh my God, I just realized this right now. Can we talk about how because he bought this songwriting catalog from uh, <laughs> right, the Beatles? Right, he had what the a fuck to... you to Paul McCartney that was. Exactly. Like I have your song now, bitch. Like exactly. that is literally what he's doing. Because listen, oh, he was also man. a shrewd. Shrewd mm. businessman too. Yeah. Like yeah. at one point, his royalty rate for every album sold was thirty-seven percent. No artist wow. before or after or ever uh, has ever right. gotten a record deal that has thirty-seven oh percent going back to the artist. That is amazing. Yeah. He's Michael Jackson. He can do that. Yeah. Mm. And the, let me tell you, the record label still made a lot of money. That right, is not right. a problem um, on their end. Right. I'm all about Beatles covers, but that. Man, him, and he we'll get into it with some of his see, other the songs, thing is, but like, it's not good. It's he, not good. He doesn't add anything new to it. Absolutely no. not. And, and it has yet, that production. He doesn't add anything new to, new to it 
and he also produced it in the 90s like it just it suffers from so much and it just it it was it was a very poor choice I think that almost half of that album does because uh, when you mentioned DS like that song is from an artistic perspective you're like okay you you definitely needed to to get this out or whatever but what whoever signed off and told him that that was a good idea to like release yeah you know have such a a like teenage journal entry like just such base emotion of being so angry at one individual person you're like i don't know that uh an artist at this high level needs to have an okay you know to put that through right so it's not to stoop to that right Right, but that being said i mean this album also it does have you are not alone Right. That is one of his greatest free will, ballads. Yeah, free will. No, 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 no. That's Will You Be There. Oh, that's right. I yeah. know. I made the same mistake in my mind <laughs> they, so they many times. Exactly. So but easy. yeah. Really? Because they're like, actually kind of, they're pretty different. Melodically, yeah. But yeah. yeah. But um, so like history, my argument is that history is like two fifths of a good album. Basically. Not even. Yeah. Sorry. I, I think history, uh, opens really strong i think Mm -hmm. because it was paired with a greatest hit cd he just totally front-loaded it yeah he put Mm. the five best songs on tracks one through five Mm -hmm. and then he filled the rest because he had an hour and 12 minutes this time around like (laughs) on this record it is I mean, You Are Not Alone comes up later, but, you know, that's just, you know. Right, but that's, like, an outlier. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, oh, my God, speaking of the worst songs because he's talking. (laughs) Money. Oh, money. Oh, yes. Oh, money. Right, money. That's his, again, my my paranoid is moving from my relationships to, like, the working people around me of just, like, everyone's against me. or, Or not necessarily everyone's against me, but it's so easy for people to turn against me. You know what money actually reminds me of? It reminds me of when Madonna raps. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. It's that bad. I get a double Mm. shot. It goes up through my butt. Oh my gosh. Anyway, but the long story short, guys, we've been spending a lot of time talking about our number six slot on this podcast. So listen, my vote, hey listen, I would say, I know you got your hangouts with this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, My argument is that it, I'm not going to call it a classic. I do think there's a little bit more to it, it just mm. especially in terms of brevity and consistency. But uh, I would definitely put history below it. That's just mm. me. Taryn, where do you fall? I I would also put history below it. Just on a, like, when you're looking at a song-by-song basis, I think Escape is certainly flawed. But it's, again, it's consistently enjoyable for mm. me. Whereas, mm. like, I can't get through the second half of Hmm. I just can't even do it. It's just so overloaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With just it, 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 a lot of the like up tempo songs really blur together, and it's just mediocre. They don't have hooks. Mm-hmm. They don't have interesting production. Um, and and on that end, I think Escape has the edge. Mm-hmm. Okay. So th- and listen, I'm willing to be swayed <laughs> on that argument. I'm not like definitively like that's definitely locked in at number six. Yeah, Will Hodge. Where do so you let think? me let me let me ask you guys this. Oh God. With what happened to Escape, do you think that that would happen to Prince? Oh, I mean that's because Prince has tons no of no, stuff no, that's no, not no 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 no. But you know why? Because yeah. Prince Prince. Quality control was never an issue with Prince. <laughs> right, right. Prince, I mean, also because Prince, because he's the whole deal, he writes and plays and sings, he has probably about 20 albums right. of material that is done. Like, it's yeah. done. Right, because he'll just, he'll just sit down in the studio. He, he already has the song written. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He will, um, like, he'll sit down, he'll record the drum track himself, he'll lay down the vocals, he'll record the piano, he'll record the guitar... And he did that in six hours, and then he would take mm-hmm. the rest of the day off. Yeah. And that song is done, and yeah. he'll put it out on an album. But for both artists like that, that work so that work so hard at their craft, and they're perfectionists to the point, not just because of being control freaks, yeah. but because they have earned the right to show that they know what's good. I, I feel like that, and once again, this goes back to I understand like music versus legacy kind of thing. There's a part that you just feel like... Man, but see, oh, except here's the thing. <laughs> I feel like they already shot their wad with Michael on that one. Because right. Michael was embellic of 
the worst possible tendencies yeah. of people fucking with his It should have started with the sound and of a cash register. Right. right. I mean, and actually, like they, and, 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 and right. the market responded. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it did not do well. And right. people were ready to like give us more they Michael, wanted we'll like exactly anything. they wanted to hear it those things and so they sh- and that's why escape didn't do nearly as well as michael and michael mm-hmm. already kind of failed by usual standards of michael jackson yeah. albums too yeah. because they just they just you know like really ra- robbed the grave on that yeah and they really i mean they destroyed any chance they had of anyone taking a posthumous album seriously which i think mm-hmm. is a real shame because yeah, sure. escape is so good yeah right right so and so listen i understand yeah. i understand the I'll philosophical out, underpinnings yeah. on that i really do <laughs> right I think if on just a pure song level, and Escape I think, is... Honestly, I think I would put Escape higher than History even if they had just given us the demos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bold. Okay. So, at the very yeah. least, at the very least, and can we lock in History at number six? Yeah, I think, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, and absolutely. the reason why that is a significant achievement is because, guys, we've been talking about three <laughs> albums. I think, for... I, think, I think we can lock in... I think we can lock an escape at number five, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it's, it's definitely not above yeah. anything we have. Yeah, left. exactly. So, yeah. All right. yeah, that was a conversation for five and six. Exactly. Just okay, good. In that case, yeah. guys, listen, we've been talking about Michael Jackson for over an hour. <laughs> we have ranked... Well, listen, we did the Motown albums, too, so I don't feel too bad about it. But, guys, right. listen... This has been an amazing part one. We've gone through a lot, and we, oh, even though we only have four albums left, they are three of the best-selling <laughs> albums of all time. So I'm really not too worried about what's going on there. We're gonna talk about it in the meantime. Everyone, uh, I know you got feelings. I know you got opinions. I know you probably hate at least one of us for something that we said. Probably me. Let's be real. Uh, leave your notes in the comments. I want to hear about them. Please listen to us. Share on the all the different networks and all the other shit that we're on. Please do. In the meantime, we're gonna see you in the part two episode. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on listening. You know that we'll be. Uh, we'll see you soon, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.